You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back right. to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Steven, and I'm here with two very special people, Darius Person. What's up? And Lawrence Marshall. Hello, how you doing? Lawrence, so glad to have you all the way from Grand Prairie, Mansfield. I don't know if there's any other, like, is there a nickname of that part of town? I don't know. No, well, I guess they would call it Miralagos. Miralagos is a big area over there, so that just all consuming. Come on. Well, thank you for taking the time to come all the way out here to Northeast Dallas. You said this morning that this was like the longest you've driven since uh, <laughs> since COVID happened. Yeah, you know, we've, we've been in the house, three kids, you know, wife working from home and just I take a drive every day. It's usually just up and down 20 and then I go home once a day. But this is so I was I was geeked. And you said, hey, you gonna drive 50 minutes to an hour. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm there. This gets me out of the house for a while and I can do a little drive. So I'm, I'm, I was okay with it. Oh man. COVID, COVID's got us going crazy. Like we get excited about driving 50 minutes. Like, yes, <laughs> something new. Yeah. The wife, the wife said, Hey, text me on the way, on the way home. Hey, could you stop by the store? Yes. What do you need? <laughs> Any other store you want me to stop by? Hey, do I need to go? You know, it's, it's, it's fun. You got to find creative ways, right? Yes. Find creative ways. Yes. Errands are a perk at this time. So yeah. make sure you grab that mask and keep it on you and, Yep. One time I forgot to put it on and later said, hey, hey, mask, where's your, where's your mask? Oh, my bad. Yeah, we keep a bunch of them in the car. Both cars have a stack of them. So if we get, go to the car and get it. They're, they're locking it down now. You can't go in here. Come anyway. on, man. I went to see my grandmother up in Perkins and you, you said that you're from kind of Oklahoma City. Yeah. Went to Langston. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought that this whole thing was going to just kind of end. And so I hadn't seen my grandma in a long time. And I just had my firstborn son. Oh, and so we were like, we, we just wanted her to see him. Yeah. And we went up there and uh, my grandma an- answers the door and she's wearing this mask. And it's just a big Elvis mm-hmm. like on her mask. It's just like the most <laughs> ridiculous mask I've ever seen. And I just laughed so hard. And she loves Elvis. So I was just wow. like, of course, grandma, you're, Too funny. you're going for it. So Yeah. So my wife, Leah, right by Elvis. In Memphis, and she said she never been, you know, to Graceland. And it's like, why? She was like, I just didn't. He's right there. I just don't really care. So, <laughs> uh, Gotta go see that. I haven't been there, but I love. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'll, 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 I'll admit I watched a lot of his movies growing up. A lot of those movies. It was very entertaining. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Elvis fan. You know, as far as the movies and a little bit of the music, but Elvis is a great guy. Was a great guy. Rather. Come on. <laughs> Lawrence, I, I want to hear more about you. So yeah. uh, tell our listeners a little about who Lawrence Marshall is and, I mean, just kind of your experience in the mentoring sphere, um, if people don't know you yet. I know you know Carlton from Mercy Street. I know you're super connected, but I would love for our listeners to learn a little about you. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, Lawrence Marshall, been here. I'm originally from Oklahoma City, and I moved around quite a bit, quite a bit. No father in the home. Mother and my father divorced when I was three. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And so we just grew up in this really violent, one of the, one of the, 
I'm not going to say the worst, but one of the worst neighborhoods in Oklahoma City called North Highlands. So folks who have been there know about North Highlands. There's a juvenile detention center not too far right outside of the neighborhood. So, man, I just I, I, I try to think about things that I haven't gone through. And it's a short list. And it's by the grace of God that I survived through all of that, you know, through dealing with gangs and been arrested three times before I was 24, you know, starting at 15, selling cars and, and selling drugs or runner for cocaine and, you know, dabbling in gun activities and, and clothes and just, you you name it, just hanging out with the wrong people at the wrong time and, and just fighting all the time. My temper was just, you know, horrible. Just had, was angry all the time. Never understood why, even though my mom kept us in church and kept us involved and I still, you know, even, my, even though my mom will put a, put a whooping on me if I acted out of line, but I still seen, I don't know why we knucklehead kids walk out the door the next day and completely forgot what just happened and go out and do something else to get you in trouble. So I think just about every school I went through, went to, I, I knew the principals of first name basis. Like, Hey, how you doing? How's your day? You getting in trouble today? No, I'm, I'm good today. But, but uh, just going through all of that and, and, and I wanted to, the, the, my mom got me involved with, a couple of young men that invested in me and just, you know, even though I didn't talk to them every day, they were just there when I, when I just hit rock bottom and I just nearly needed somebody to talk to and just kind of talked me through some stuff when got a bite to eat. So a mentor doesn't always have to be connected every day, every week to their kids. They just have to be available when they do call that builds trust over time. And over time, I just developed this rapport where now still to this day, I'm in contact with them. I call them mama, Papa Fox, Papa Sims, Mama Sims, you know, mm -hmm. those are, guys is involved in my life and I wanted to be that to these kids. So, you know, fast forward, I'm married 14 years, met my wife at OCBF in the youth ministry and we dated for a while and she has the same passion for kids. And, you know, we adopted our third kid, Ramon, about maybe seven years ago. And we're kind of dabbling around the idea of doing it again. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, um, it's been more so me kind of pumping the brakes, like, man, that's four kids. My <laughs> wife's like, if you have three kids, what's the fourth? Doesn't it? No, it's different. That's another room. That's another plate. <laughs> that's another space in the car. <laughs> you know. So, but you know, so we're we're still we're, we're still gonna have to get a new over. dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we gotta get a bigger fridge. And but uh, yeah, so then I'm yes, running Integrity Mentor. I started Integrity Mentor. I'm the founder and executive director back in 2006. Got a nonprofit status in 08 from uh, SMU. They help you get your non. This is a note for everybody. SMU helps you get your nonprofit status at no cost to you. Mm. You just call them up, pitch your idea. They interview you. They bring you on as a client. They take care of everything. Your bylaws. You're mm. submitting your everything. You just go and you just make yourself available. That's then awesome. Just started. Yeah. You know, just started. I uh, started with five boys. My passion just get involved with these kids. Like about five boys that I was involved with at this other program that was going away, and I just took those five boys and started hanging out with them once a month. And it turned into our format. Someone turned me on to the nonprofit sector. I kind of had an idea. And I decided to go ahead and pursue that. And then, you know, 14 years later, you know, I'm dealing with investors and <laughs> constantly having meetings to run, to, to raise money and have some volunteers that's been running the programs. But still, you got to oversee all of those things. While at the same time, raising a family of five and still doing IT consulting and, and uh, still trying to mentor, like, in the face of kids. So it was a lot. Mm -hmm. But uh, now... You know, of course, as I mentioned, I may have mentioned, but, you know, just kind of just kind of slow things down and get back to my passion so I can be in the face of these kids on a regular basis now. So that frees up more time for me. Wow. Yeah. Man, praise God. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that your mom was like, hey, you know, you need a mentor in your life. And yeah. 
Like, how was it for you? Were you were you kind of open to it? Were you kind of like pushing back, or yeah? How was it? Well, you know what I learned, and and I thank God for allowing me to go through all of that stuff. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have changed it. Because when I come across kids still to this day, when I come across a kid that's kind of like, man, you ain't been through nothing. You can't help me. Because you got a lot of folks that whites, blacks, it doesn't matter, ethnicity, they want to help kids. More so, you know, African-American boys. And when you first approach a kid and it's, and they never met you, then they're going to have this guard up. Because yeah. they don't think that we haven't been anything close to what I've been through. So they're going to be tuned off. So I just started, you know, um, understanding that with these kids that, you know, you have to, you have to understand that going into the relationship and you have to build a rapport with them and you have to be consistent. And then once you share some of the pitfalls that you've had, then you would hope that, you know, something will come, will, will, will fall on the kid's ear and then they'll, they'll plant a seed and then that'll start the growing process of developing a relationship to where they'll, they'll potentially start reaching out to you more times, more often and start listening and start really taking things that you say to them and applying it to life. So uh, I'm just blessed to be able to, 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 to be able to do that and want to continue to continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So how did, how did those, you mentioned two mentors yeah. that were kind of just that you wanted to emulate as you grew up. Right. You were like, I want to be that for, right. for boys. How did they relate with you when you were in that season? When you were, you said something about clothes, like you were, I don't know, I, I'd love to hear more yeah. about what that looked like, but also right. just how did they relate with you in that season that, that led you to then be where you're at today? Well, they, they, they didn't pressure me. They didn't make demands. They didn't, if, if a lot of kids, they, you, when you call them to check up on you, they either don't answer the phone. <laughs> And they don't call you back right away. Someone just never call you back and, or they may not respond to the text. And when, when, of course, when I grew up, we didn't have cell phones like that <laughs> and we didn't have call waiting, but anyway, so when they call or whatever, and, and I would get the message, you know, they didn't take it, they didn't take it, they didn't take it personal, mm -hmm. you know? So that's one thing to keep in mind is not to take it personal. Mm -hmm. It takes time. But so, it's so easy to do that now. Yeah, it's so easy to do that because you think, well, what's wrong with me? What did I do? Did I say something? But you have to understand it takes probably a good six months to a year to develop that report of where they're calling you back. But so these guys, you know, um, Mama Fox, Papa Fox, Papa Sims, and they just, Michael Pollard, he's, he's, he's uh, deceased now, unfortunately. They just, they just made themselves available. So when I did call, they were, you know, wide ears and, um, welcoming anything that I had to say, all right, let's talk through this, whatever this is going on, let's talk through this. And that's how they kind of handled the situation. So they built that, you know, it was consistent and they built that rapport and I saw that longevity to where when I hit rock bottom, I knew I had somebody to call and I would call specifically those people. And, but I think now uh, when it's, it's, it's very important for you to share some things that you've gone through, be transparent. It's very critical that you, when you're mentoring and you're trying to engage another kid, the first thing is they want to know is what have you gone through that will, will can make us relatable. If you don't, if they don't know up front that there's a connection there and then they're going to, they're going to have their guards up. It's just like when you're dating somebody, when you, when you meet, you meet your wife, there was something that you guys had in common. Right. And you, you fo once you realize that you focused on that, right. It's like, you saw that as, a little cat chasing a little red dot around you, you oh we have that in common so that can be our date night that can be you know 
So those kind of things you need to focus on when you're mentoring is, is, is finding something that you have in common mm-hmm. and, and using that as a means of, of really guiding that relationship. And that, that was very helpful for me. That, that kept me, that's why I said we're still, they're in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. most of them, and I'm still connected with them. I actually just saw them when I went back not too long ago and Papa Fox, Miss Fox, they moved here. Um, so I see them and I stay in contact with them. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You, you were making me think about my, my wife when I met her. I met her on a bus. Mm-hmm. going to this incoming freshman deal. And she told me that she played tennis. Mm-hmm. When I got off the bus, I got on the phone with my roommate and I said, we need to learn how to play tennis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, exactly. And we signed up for a tennis class and I started playing tennis. And then the next time I saw her, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you remember me? Yeah. Like, I was like, hold on. Do you play tennis? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how you do it. And, and just, I mean, like picking up, any right. bid, anything that, that, that a kid's given you so mm-hmm. you can kind of try and relate and not necessarily try and bring the mentee to your level, but mm-hmm. get down to theirs yeah. and what's, what's passionate, what yeah. they're passionate about. Exactly. What I, I want to know, just kind of those conversations when you would reach out, mm-hmm. what information are you sharing? Are you, just, are you just saying, I'm angry about this or can we just get like dinner? Can we, can we meet up? Like what were the bids that you were giving to to your mentors. Yeah, right, right off the bat, what I, what I found was part of the training that, that was passed down to us is iMessages. And I really didn't understand what that was until I went through this material. And what it, it, it entails is just really focusing on, so if you have a kid that shares something like, man, I didn't, I got suspended from school. Why'd you get suspended from school? Well, because this kid called me a jerk and I didn't like that, so I, I hit him. Okay. Then the iMessage could be, no, you should not have done that. Da, da, da. It shouldn't be about that. That shouldn't be how the conversation starts. It should be once you hear that information. So, okay, you reflect back on something that you may have done mm. that maybe put you in a similar situation that he's in. Like I got suspended all the time. I was in ISS all the time. So I would reflect. I remember when I did this and this was the outcome. And these are all things that's happened because of that reaction that I made. And, and had I have thought about it, had I've done the things differently, then I believe this could have been the outcome. And then I may have shared, I may share that another story of when I did do it differently and here was the outcome. You know, I, I went through that similar before and I talked to the guy and instead of us talk, instead of us fighting, I talked to him and the outcome came, we ended up becoming really cool. And, you know, that stopped the, the whole back and forth bickering. So when you share that stuff with them, you're not pinpointing them and saying, well, you should have did this. You should have did that. Yeah. You shouldn't have done that. It just focus. You put the focus on you. It says I did this, and this is what happened when I did that, and this is the outcome. And then they can internalize that and apply that to their situation, and hopefully they can make better decisions. That would oh, that could potentially open up. It won't be immediate, but that opens up the door for them to to have the interest of wanting to call you and says, "Hey, I have another situation going on. Mm. You know, have you been through something else similar to that?" Wow, wow. that's good because that's like the image of Jesus. You know, it's like this kid is already feeling shame and. Mm-hmm. You know, people are mad at them, like the like the teachers, the administration, the principal is yeah. the hardest kid. And you come in and say, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put it on my on shoulders. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you about my experience and how I felt. Yeah. Man, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, kids, kids respond to that in a different way. Right. I mean, when I message, we're not talking about getting the message to be blue when you text them. Right. We're talking about. When they share something, we're not telling them, well, if I was you, this is what I would have done. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. saying, this is what I did, mm-hmm. and this is what happened, right. and I understand. Right. 
And I, I think that that understanding creates mm -hmm. trust. It creates yeah. an environment where, like you said, that they're, they're going to come back with the next thing that happened right. and maybe ask for more feedback. Right. Because exactly. they know that you're the person that's not going to tell them what to do, but you're going to tell them what you did. Right. And that's, that's really encouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're, they're constantly used to hearing from their mom, dad, teachers, principal, friends, just everybody around them. Why did you do that? You were so, you know, depending on the situation, I've, I've heard where that was, you were so stupid. That was the dumb thing to do. Mm -hmm. And the kid is just falling, you know, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. So it's very rare when you come across somebody who just changes the script. Like, you know what? It's okay. I did this before and this is what happened to me. So you're, you're it's like, it's a game changer for them. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, you're not coming at them the same way that everybody else is that says they love me and they're my parents and they're my teachers and my, you know, my siblings or whatever the case is, we have a stranger that's coming to me at a completely different way yeah. that is not demeaning and it's not demoralizing. It's, it's not, you know, putting me down as more. So let me just, you just, you know, you hold on to your feelings for a minute. Let's just make, let me, let me put mine on my shoulder. I'm on, I'm on sleeve for a little bit so you can see what I did and what happened to me and how I made me, that, 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 that shows vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And as a man, you know, we need to, we need to be able to see that in other men because a lot of us don't, we don't show that vulnerability. We show that, well, I'm not sharing that because that makes me too weak. Yeah. Or I don't want to give him the, the you know, the, the upper hand on me, yeah. knowing that about me. And so I, me, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm very transparent and, uh, and, and I allow myself to be vulnerable as much as I can, as much as is appropriate for the situation, because uh, I know God has allowed, brought me a long way. And I, I know that's something that I say will either help them now or in the future. So, yeah. I, I I can just hear in my mind people saying like, well, you're just enabling bad behavior. Like you right. got to call that out. You got to, um, I don't know, just like when you know what's wisdom, like just tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is wisdom in recognizing a child's exposure when that no one likes their junk being out mm -hmm. in front of everybody, like right. which going to ISS or getting in trouble mm -hmm. is like, the perfect example of a kid's junk being out and like, cause he's getting, right. he's getting in trouble. There's consequences to your actions. And mm -hmm. for you to respond to that exposure with vulnerability of like sharing your own experiences in mm -hmm. age appropriate ways. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that that, that act of choosing to expose a story that doesn't possibly shine good on you mm -hmm. is, is probably what mentors need to do more right. than just, sharing our highlight reel right, <laughs> like, right. where it's like, well, you know, when I was in <laughs> high school and I had self-control, <laughs> I did, I did a talk back and I did a curse back. I was very, very, no, <sighs> no, sir. I, I, it's, that's, that's me, me, me and my wife is again, that's nothing wrong with, with folks that do it on Facebook and social media, but they put their best foot forward every time. And I think it's a misconception, uh, especially in marriage. Um, you see all the positive things. Um, again, it's nothing wrong. People do it. You know, that's them. Me and my wife is, you know, we're just not that type. You know, if we're going to post, we're going to try to, you know, put something out there that's neutral. Um, you know, some pictures or something like that. But we know we're not perfect. But mm -hmm. we, we think it's in, I don't know, I, I think it gives me uh, strength allowing myself to be vulnerable. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, I don't know if you ever got, you guys ever seen uh, Eight Mile with Eminem. Um, you ever seen that movie? Mm -hmm. But in the, in the last battle, What's his name? Doctor. What's his name? But anyway, you know, Papa Doc. Papa Doc. <laughs> he had some dirt on Eminem. And instead, so since Eminem went first, 
then Eminem put all this dirt out there. Like, so he had nothing. Yeah, I'm a trailer park. Yeah, I'm this. Yeah, I'm that. Yeah, I'm this. <laughs> and Papa Doc didn't have once once he did that. <laughs> and Papa Doc didn't have. Oh, man, I ain't got nothing on you. So Eminem ended up, ended up winning that battle and ended up being the champ. Mm. So it's it's that just speaks volumes to it's like if. What what better person to uh, lay out your dirty laundry than yourself? Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why allow another situation or someone else to do that for you? So then you got to go play cleanup. You got to, you know, I'd rather lay it out there. Hey, this is who I am. I think it's good to do that as well. The second thing is it's not just because of that, but also it 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 it, it tells the the audience, those who's listening, that uh, this is where I was. This is where I am now. So if you're at a place where you're at peace and you're, you've recovered and you've been delivered from all of those things, then why not share it? You're not doing that stuff no more, right? You're not that type of person no more. So they're able to reflect back on, okay, you know, cause they see you for who you are. Cause they, they may have known you for quite a few years, but they don't know like growing up what made you. And that's a lot of things about me is a lot of people, a lot of people think that I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth, both parents in my home. And I, you know, I, I went to engineering school and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's like, no, yeah. I didn't go to engineering school. I, had to had to had to hustle and bustle and and end up getting jobs that catered to that and it just kind of grew from there. So I need for them to understand that, you know, what you see today is is not how it's always been. You know, I'm a, I want to be the best father and the best husband I possibly can. Did I have a model of that? No, not not every day. I didn't have that in home, but it's 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 very important to be able to, because it shows that where you where you've been and now where you where where you're going mm-hmm. and then it's completely different path. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. That's real good. So I want to ask you a question back to mm-hmm. Langston. Mm-hmm. So looking back, well, even, even just in the current, like in the modern day, HBCUs are on the map. Like there's professional athletes or, or college athletes who are being recruited to go to HBCUs. And, yeah. and like, there's, there's a lot of athletes that are like putting HBCUs on the map or trying to right mm-hmm. now. I want to, I would love to hear about, your experience at Langston, I mean, the good and the bad yeah. of that. And yeah, just how that, I don't know, those formative years of your life, mm-hmm. how that influenced you. And I mean, potentially like moved you into this season. So yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, you know, I reflect back on that. I only went to school because I needed a place to stay. And mm. I graduated from high school in 91. I didn't go to college to 93. I was detailing cars at these dealers at these dealerships and living at home my mom no car and that's pretty much all i was doing still hustling in the streets still act there acting wilding out and a lot of people ask what was the fork in the road for you why did you go to langston why did you go to college i was the first person in my family to go to college and when my mom i, I and this is in my story as well and and i tried to tiptoe i try not to go too deep just to make sure that it's 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 high level in my story but Basically, what it boils down to is that it, it all happened within a week's time frame. I get kicked out of the house again, and my mom just comes constantly butting heads. She, but then that same week, two or three days prior, at the dealership that I was working at, I was being recruited as to be be basically you know a hitman um, for this organization, and and so this guy was trying to recruit me, and he was working there as a cover there at the dealership and we became friends over the course of the time me being there. And, and so he was trying to recruit me. So it was the, here's the, here's the deal, you know, $50,000 ahead. And if you didn't take the hit, we'll come after you. You can't go back to the life that you know, you live, you know, now, and your life is going to be completely different. Um, you look like you can handle yourself. So he gave me a week to think about it. 
and it's nothing but God because two or three days later, my mom kicked me out of the house and I had to let him know by that Saturday. My mom kicked me out Friday and it's raining, it's dark. I didn't have a car, so I called my friend, tell me to help me go get my stuff. She literally threw all my clothes on the porch. And when I went up to the house, the door locks was changed and my whatever crap she let me have, it was sitting there on the porch. And I had to get it and stay with my cousin that night. And then I went to work Saturday to tell this guy, no, and says, hey, jump me in. Um, whatever I got to do with initiation to get involved in the organization. But he just so happened he wasn't at work that day. And mm. so I'm just like, man, I, I got to go do something. I, I need a place to stay. I literally was trying to go ahead with the recruiting process, whatever that entailed. And he just wasn't there that day. And so I happened to call my mentor, Michael Pollard at the time. And he's the one that just kind of talked me through it. Says, you know, I'll come pick you up only if you go to college. Uh, if you don't go to college, I'm not coming to get you. You know, you're on a path on your own. So after convincing, I decided to say, yes, I'm going to go ahead and go to school. And I stayed with him Saturday night, went, went to church, him and his family on Saturday, Sunday morning. And, and he took me to Langston University that Monday morning, stayed with me the whole time to get my classes, got my room, got my meal ticket, financial aid, literally the whole day. I don't know if you've ever been to when you sign up to get your classes. It's just it's ridiculous. So I, I'm, he took me to get my room and we went to the parking lot. And he says, you know, what you do from here on out is up to you. And he drove off. He died two years later. But even though I was still into some dirt there, <clears throat> I was meeting some people there that was, it was different element that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. You know, you had African-American men, beautiful women, and I was trying to holler at all these different women. And they're just like, if you want to talk to me, you meet me in the library. And I haven't been exposed to that before, like reaching a library. Like some of the baddest women that I've met there were like, you had to meet me in the library. You had to go to class. Because <laughs> I'm studying. <laughs> <'Cause> I'm studying. <laughs> So it just changed my whole perspective as far as the women that I was attracted to, the guys that I was hanging out with. And we would spend, like, I was a bachelor in science and industrial technology. So what that is, they taught you engineering and architecture and electrical engineering, uh, manufacturing. So we're designing homes at 2, 3, 4 in the morning with the radio station and box of pieces in the classroom. I haven't been exposed to that before. Mm -hmm. So that kind of changed my whole perspective. And these guys were graduating, the ones that were before me, they were getting engineering jobs, they were... So that changed my whole, my whole, my whole life. And literally the, the semester I'm graduating from college, this is, this is no joke. I can't make this up. The same semester I'm graduating from college is the same semester I get arrested for the third time with nine counts. Hmm. It's the same semester I'm, I'm about to graduate from college, right? And then the same semester my dad calls and says, I never met my dad, never heard from him, never talked to him. And he said he wants to meet his kids. So all these things are going on in this one semester. So it was by the grace of God that the, the court-appointed attorneys were able to use that as leverage. Like, hey, this guy's about to graduate from college in a few months. His dad called for the first time. He'd never spoken, never seen his dad. And here's the kicker. The other kicker is that I got one job offer, and it was from the same city where my dad lived. And he had nothing to do with that. So how does that happen? Mm -hmm. You get a job offer by one company that's not only in the same state, but in the exact same city, Aurora, Colorado, where my dad still lives. And he had nothing to do with that. You can't tell me that's not God. So the attorneys were able to use that and the judge ended up allowing, because usually when you have a case pending, you can't leave the city state. Mm. So God allowed the situation to transpire in the order that it did. So I had to think about it if it happened out of order, but it happened in perfect order to where attorney was able to say, hey, he's graduating. He got a job offer as an engineer in Colorado, and he's about to go stay with his dad for the first time ever. The attorneys allowed me to go two years probation. So as you can see is that that college being at Langston, not only from a cultural standpoint, just experience the people, a lot of people that I met were still friends to this day. 
That's, I was the first person to go to college. My younger sister followed right behind me. She just completed a nurse practitioner's license. She's a, she's been a nurse for all these years. So to your question, I know it was a long way to get to the answer, but it's like so much happened from the beginning of college and then the end of college. So transitioning into and then transitioning out. Those are huge pivotal moments in my life that could have made or break, you know, me literally. Uh, so it, it, I felt, felt the need to share that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, God's God's divine nature is is you can't explain it. Yeah, you can't explain it. Man. Yeah, Darius Darius taught me a new a phrase yesterday. He says, "You just snitched on God, snitching <laughs> on God. God did it." <laughs> you, you can't because it's like God creates scenarios in your life to where it's unexplainable. You you have no choice but to fall on your knees. You have no choice but to shed a tear. You have no choice but to share your story because it's just. It's unexplainable. All you're doing, you can't explain the story. You can just tell the story and then let the users, the viewers, the listeners to allow God to speak to them however he wants to use that story mm -hmm. for them. And that's what I do. Is I, I share my story, not to pub me up, not to, you know, even cloud. one kid said, I share my story at one of these alternative schools. And what did he say? He said something to the effect of, man, I wish I had your street cred or something he said. And I was so offended. I was so angry at him for saying that. And, and I didn't lash out at him, but what I did is I looked at him, I says, man, do you know with all of that comes with so much that I'm still 47 years old, I'm still struggling with to this day? Trust. Some people call it PTSD. That's what I was telling you earlier uh, in the other room that I don't deal with death well. I literally don't watch. My wife knows me to this day. If she watches a trailer and if relationships are developed and someone dies, I can't watch that because that affects me. I'm depressed for about a week. And so this kid said that, I had to explain it to him. I says, don't ever tell anybody that who shared this kind of story with you because then you make it feel like, hey, if you've gone through it, I can go through it. It's no big deal. No, it's, that's, it's, it's so demeaning to that person. I was able to handle it. I'm, I'm cool with that. But uh, it's, 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 you know, it's a bittersweet, mm -hmm. you know, you learn so much, but it, it, there's a cost to everything that you learn, good and bad. There's a cost to it. And uh, mine, even though I, I still look at it as being a positive because I survived through that. And I'm not bitter and, and I'm, I, I still believe in God and I've raised my family accordingly and I conduct myself accordingly. So um, it's a win-win for me. Yeah. I, I, I think that there, there may be a, a larger number of mentors who feel like their, their experience, going back to the I message, that they might not feel like they can relate or they can relate their experiences to the experience of a kid that they're mentoring. Mm -hmm. And so kind of what you're saying is that a kid is like looking at your story and he's saying, man, like I haven't done nothing, like nothing's happened to me or I haven't asked, been asked to be a hitman." And, <laughs> and they're thinking like, I don't know, just there, there's something in them that's like, you've lived, you've lived something. And that sounds like an experience mm -hmm. to be, kind of like you said, they're, they're like envious of something that is traumatic and right. is like still something that affects you. Yeah. And that, that's like, I guess, yeah, that's really challenging mm -hmm. to, yeah. to consider and try to help kids understand that all of these experiences are not to be envied. Yeah. But then for, I guess the other side, what would you say to a mentor who's like, I don't know how to relate to my kid who just got in trouble? Like, yeah. and like they're, 
they're like Mr. Clean over here. Yeah. Mentoring a kid that has some issues like, and is working through some stuff. Like right. what would you say to him? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a great question. And, and Papa Fox and Papa Sims, they are those individuals, even though they're African-American males successful in their own right, they didn't have the child that I had. You know what I mean? They were just consistent. They didn't take anything that I said or didn't say or how I responded and take it personal. So my message to any of the mentors that are out there, male or female, black or white, um, it doesn't matter. All we, and I say we, because I was that kid, all we are looking for is someone to be consistent. God put it on my heart to name Integrity Mentors, name the program Integrity Mentors. I was searching for a name. And because I always try to live by that. I try to make sure that what I'm doing in private you know, it's, it's what I'm doing in public. It's already been practiced in private. Mm. So it becomes natural. So when you're investing in a kid, I don't think, I think the kid cares less about what you've gone through and whether it aligns with them. They just want to know if you're willing to share some of your pitfalls and how you overcame them. There's a message in, there's a message in everything that is so common to one another. You made a mistake, whatever that mistake is, because of decisions you made, whatever that is, here was the outcome, and here's what you learned from it. And then the next thing is, is when that sim similar situation came about, this is how I handled it differently. This was the outcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is the life that I choose to live moving forward. And I think kids need to hear that. They don't hear that if you think about it. In their environment, they, they just hear about a lot of principles, and there's been quite a few kids that I've worked with where when they go pat, they pass from school to school, that they already have this, and I try to explain to the kid, they already have this book on you based on your behavior. As soon as you walk in the door, they already kind of have an idea who you are. And so what I try to help the kids understand, the mentors, is that if you're consistent, if you are, no matter what you've gone through, if you just show them you're just loving on this kid and they know that it's not a popularity contest, like who has the most street cred, who has been through the most, they're focused on because Michael Pollard, Papa Fox, Papa Sims, these are three guys I was that that helped raise me. They were just consistent. Mm -hmm. They weren't involved in gangs. I don't even, especially Papa Fox and Pastor Sims. He Pastor Sims has been a pastor for all these years. I don't think that they've been arrested. I don't think that they've been involved in gangs. Not that way. They've never, if I if, honestly I, I can reflect, I don't remember them ever sharing like a story similar to what I've gone through. They just came in my life and was available for what was going on at that particular time. Mm. And they knew the environment I was growing in, growing up in, they knew my mom, how she was, how she is. And they just knew the environment. So they knew when I called, okay, it must be really serious. I'll come pick you up. And they just, they were consistent. They answered the phone. Um, they offered up any, they, they just let me talk. Let me talk. If there's anything that they can apply to the situation that can help kind of ease, ease it over, make it a little better than they would. But other than that, they just, they, they were just a lending ear. And that's very critical to these kids because they don't have a lot of people, parents, siblings, friends that just sits there and listens to them, not judges them, not points the finger and not just throw up their hands like, oh, I'm so sick of you doing mm -hmm. this again. They're not. That's all they're used to. It's just mm -hmm. I've 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 uh, I failed again. I'm a failure. I'm never going to be anything. I was working with one kid in an alternative school where his dad got so high off meth that. This young man had to put a butter knife, jam it in between his door, jam in his door when he goes to sleep at night because his dad would get so high off of stuff and come in there and just beat on him. So Matt, so when he comes to the school, I'm working with him. We're talking and we're, he's the greatest kid. 
But he's calling me and his dad is at home, but he's calling me and asking people for advice. He's asked, calling me and saying, I want to come vent because he know I'm just going to say, I'm, just, I'm not going to judge you. I've been through a buttload of stuff, mm. but I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to. So just making yourself available, mentors, being transparent is very critical. Don't, so you don't come off as being this all high and mighty that I've never gone through things. It doesn't, don't ever try to compare what you've gone through to mm-hmm. what this kid is going through. Don't ever do that because you, you start demoralizing the kid and it, it comes into a competing, it comes into a contest who's mm-hmm. been through the worst stuff. What's mm-hmm. important is, is just sit there and listen. Probing questions, meaning probing questions. What I like to do a lot is when the kid is talking to me about something and I said, well, how did that, how did you feel about that? No one's ever asking these kids, well, how was your day? Uh, you made a bad grade. How do you feel? What, what could you have done? They don't never break it down, right? Yeah. So when you're in a situation <laughs> where you're asking them, well, how did you feel about that? They're like, I don't know. I've never had nobody ask me that before. Well, well what if you've done it, done it this way? How, no, you don't give them examples. You say, well, how could you have done it differently to get a different outcome? Let them start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So basically you're coming up with ways, creative ways to not necessarily pour into them but you're helping, you're walking alongside of them and you and you and, and you guys together are coming up with a solution. Mm-hmm. So you're not bringing them water, <laughs> you're leading them to get the water themselves. Yeah. You're 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 finding creative ways to to help them start fending for themselves cuz once they once you depart and you go to separate ways, they go to their environment, you go to their environment, they need that tool. They need to continue to develop that tool. How can I go get my own water? No, I don't want to just call Lawrence so he can get me water. No, how can I go get my own? How can I go get my own solution? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they start reflecting back on some of the conversations and how you worded certain sentences to make them to make them think, to yeah. force them to start thinking through that. So when they get in a situation similar to that or any situation, they start think, reflecting back on some of the things and how you worded it. And then that hopefully will make them think of things, think of a better outcome and, and, and focus on doing that. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Man, that's good. That's really good. As I, as I hear that. It just it's just so good to know that sometimes difference is good. Like, oh, it's always good. It's, it's good because you different. mentioned that you were, you know, being exposed to you know college and mm-hmm. that life, some that you've never seen. Yeah, which made you more open to it because it was different. Right. And for mentors who haven't been through anything a kid been through, that's sometimes that's a leverage. Right. Because you can you know show them something new. But just on that on that question, Stephen, it's just it's just us reminding ourselves that we aren't the heroes, right? You know, Jesus is, and most importantly, we have to, you know, expose them to Him. You know, yeah. not 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 to us, you know, yeah. but to Him. So that's that's real good. Yeah, everybody that knows me, they all they'll they'll tell you one thing, and I always say I I always try to follow up, make sure it's in the conversation. Man, it's never about me ever. Mm-hmm. If it if it ever if I ever get the inkling of a feeling that someone's trying to make it about me and kudos and pat man i i get so i guess the only word i can say is just annoyed because i'm like no i don't no god i don't want that to be about me because then you know that takes away from you you know what i'm saying don't i didn't snitch on me snitch on god <laughs> <laughs> i didn't take myself through that situation i didn't or- yeah. orchestrate it the way it did but yeah I, I try to focus it's never about me ever i want to hear about just kind of what you've shared in this last season of running this large program reaching a, a lot of kids, but feeling as the leader, the desire to be face-to-face with the kids, to to have more interaction. And with having three kids and a wife who wants a fourth <laughs> <laughs> and running an organization, there's yeah. only so much capacity you have. And so I, I would love for you to just kind of share about, yeah, just where you're at currently and 
and about that desire. Yeah, it's 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 you know, being transparent, being honest, right? So last the last four years or so, I've just been tormenting. I don't know if this is even a phrase, tormenting, just unhappy. Just uh didn't know what it was. I had no clue. I mean, the kids are coming, you know, investors are investing. I mean, it just got this nice little flow going, but I was just unhappy. I was I dreaded another because we met monthly and I dreaded another monthly session. When it ended, I give myself two or three days. Oh, I gotta prepare for the next month. You know, even though we had folks doing it and we, we were financially stable and and things were just really going really well, I just I was just unhappy and I didn't know what it was. And I've been praying and and my we had I haven't had have an advisory board. We're still good, good friends and we connect. We call them three wise men, and one of them mentioned uh, they took me to breakfast at Mandalay Omni Mandalay. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is an expensive place. And so this must be a really serious meeting. So let me go on well, open mind. But what they were saying in the meeting is during our breakfast is that they were trying to open my mind to potential partnerships or allowing our organization to come underneath another one um, or allowing someone else to lead it. And, and um, I just felt like, you know, I, I, the, the enemy tried to get in my spirit. Like, man, it's the pride. Like, no, it's mine. This is mm -hmm. why I started this. I came up with the name. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to let somebody else run it. So although I was open to the conversation in my spirit, in my heart, I can honestly say, and I talked to them about it at way after the fact, because I just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't there. And fast forward to June of last year, maybe May, God was really just working on me. You're unhappy. You got this stuff that's going on. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it just, it, I prayed about it again and, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, I'm not supposed to be running this no more. So I was thinking that, okay, maybe someone else needs to be running. it, And so I started opening myself up to that and started interviewing folks, interviewing teams. And over the course of, you know, I, I gave myself a deadline end of last year, December 31st. I said, if I don't have, if I haven't secured anyone, if no one is it's just been identified to run it, then I have to close it. And it was just in my mind is every time I thought about it, like, oh my God, just doing away with integrity mentors. It's like, that's not an option. So we're meeting with people and, Things were starting to roll and things didn't start to work out. And I started to realize that, you know, this may not be the best fit for these individuals for different separate reasons. And they had stuff going on that may take them away from all the stuff that's required with what we already have going on. And so they wouldn't be able to commit to that. So coming into this year has come to the realization that okay, we're back at the square one, you know, trying to identify somebody. And then it just it just got to the point where I got more and more peace of just you know, letting it go. Letting it go, letting it go. Because it's, it's, I felt the sense of urgency. And then when the young man passed away and when literally last year, coming into this year, one of our donors, our major donor, had to kind of pause because of the, 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 the economy and the way that things were going at that time. So, so it was, God was allowing things to happen. It just kind of steered me in the direction of, you might want to revisit, you know, not, no longer continuing on. not. It's not that I am supposed to stay in place. No, I am you're supposed to dissolve. And because I have something else I have for you. And I made the decision about March. I says, okay, I can't wait. And I started getting excited about dissolving the organization, which is odd. Because mm -hmm. last year I was like, there's a pride thing. Like, oh, this will be the last thing I ever do. That mm -hmm. will never happen. But then this year, March, um, maybe February or so, I couldn't wait. <laughs> but in my mind, I knew that, okay, all these people are tied to this organization. We got donors, we got investors, we got mm -hmm. kids, parents, volunteers. So I came up with this process, started 
beginning of this year. And I said, June was going to be it when everything would be, because you had to get in kind of those relationships, make sure that they understood what was going on, kind of, you know, kind of have those conversations, kind of gradually start having this checklist of things you got to make sure it's done. And then I ended with creating that video um, that just kind of expound, expound on everything. Uh, Cause I was supposed to, my, I was supposed to meet with the parents and the kids have one big powwow before we ended. Then the COVID hit mm-hmm. and I was like, and then it's been dragged on. I was like, okay, we can't get in race of these kids. So I got to put together something. So I've never been happier. I've mm-hmm. never, ever, I'm the happiest I've ever been mm-hmm. by far. And I, and uh, I never thought that that was the reason. So God has been, my goal is to focus on my passion to go back to my passion. I want to get in the face of these kids, whatever that looks like, still working with um, alternative school when things get back to normal. I want to be able to do things like what we're doing here. Um, being able to share the story and the impact and again, not making it about me, but making it about these kids and that you can still, no matter what you've gone through, you can still share your story with a kid. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, is consulting, which I've been doing a lot is consulting with these smaller nonprofits or those who have an idea to, to start a nonprofit and just, Walking with them, those who are serious. I mean, I do it at no cost. I open up myself, make myself available, but I give them up. We start out with a plan um, and you work this plan and then let me know how much you want me to be involved. And so we can kind of walk together through this because I did not have no support. Let me rephrase it. I had little to no support doing this. And it was just trial and error, making mistakes, stumbling, falling, God bringing somebody else in my path. And it just kind of just went from there. So I want to be able to, to, to help minimize someone else that God has put something sincere and true and passionate on their heart that impacts the community. I want to be able to be that resource for them. So those are the three things that I'm going to, you know, focus on moving forward. That's great, man. Thanks for sharing. Cause yeah. I, I mean, I think it's coupled with the vulnerability that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. when we talked to our, talk to the kids we mentor. Mm-hmm. I think it's also vulnerable to, to talk about the process of the Lord taking you from, launching an organization to thriving to recognizing that there's there's needs in your own heart right. that don't align and like there is a time for closure there's a time for a mm-hmm. transition yeah and i i would say that probably most founders see that as like exactly what you said the last thing that yeah. i would ever let happen right but to hear someone who's like walking through that in health and trying to not just like position the pieces in a favorable way to yeah. show like, well, you know, like I did my best and yada, yada. You're like, no, I'm, I'm happy. Right. Mm. And I, I think for, for someone to hear that, who I don't know, is maybe in a similar situation yeah. where yeah. they've started something and it's gone in ways that are, I don't want to say like it's grown past them, right. but it's grown in a different way that, has left them doing a lot of the things that they don't feel called to, right. yeah. to come back into the calling is, right. is like a really refreshing thing to hear. Yeah. And it's, and it's what, what a lot of us don't understand is that not to get all too spiritual and, and but God gave me a dream years ago, bring it on, you know, uh, years ago, way before I moved here, uh, what the position he was going to, he was going to award me. And I felt in my spirit that this was, what it's going to be. This is how it's going to end. I'm going to retire doing this. I felt that all these years, that's why it's like, well, I'm not going to stop it because God showed me this vision of doing this. So I'm supposed to be in that capacity. But then when I made the decision to do that, God gave me so much peace and he, and he just kept saying Moses. And he was talking about, you know, these guys out here 40 days and 40 nights, you know, well, no, well, no, it was uh, 40 years 
he was out in the wilderness, right? And and I just read, you know, yesterday in the devotional, um, and just reminded me that, you know, God told Moses straight up, says, you're not going to see the promise land. You're going to see it from a distance. And these people are going to go, basically, they're going to go into a land that was prepared for them. And what helped me kind of rationalize things that, you know, this it's not, it's not meant for me to see how this ends or if it ends or where it goes. It's up to me to be obedient. And so it, it, it was meant for me to kind of transition. You never know the what impact you've made to a kid mm-hmm. or a parent or even a volunteer or someone that you've crossed paths with, paths with along the way that helped take them to the next level of that mentoring or starting an organization or being this better parent or being this better kid. You just never know. And uh, when, when you think about Moses and how he may have, how he must have felt, and he died before he was able to see the promised land. You know, it wasn't for him to see it. You know what I mean? So I, that hit home for me. And people have to understand is that when you relinquish control, then it shouldn't matter how you're going to get there. All that should matter is as long as you get there. And if we focus on how we get there, then we're going to be trying to control it. Because, man, I got stressed. I'm, I'm a perfectionist, OCD, all of that. It, it, like, literally, pencils have to be sharpened. They have to be, I mean, I, I'll get my wife. Is, my wife is the same. You look at my desk and you're, like, having a seizure. <laughs> like, my desk. Like, my, my wife is so bad. Like, there has to be, you know, and she's not like this all the time, but she is so funny. But she likes to see those 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 marks in the carpet when you vacuumed. She mm. likes to see that. When we first got married, you know, okay, I'm, a, I'm a guy. Okay. I'm, I, you know, she bought her house before we we got married, and I'm, I'm and after I got married, we got married. I moved in. She took all my hangers. I had the wooden and all the stuff my mom gave me when I came from the hood, and you know, uh, dry cleaner hangers and all this kind of stuff. And when I'm when I moved in, I came home from work, and she had all small white uh, plastic hangers for my shirts, all small, all thick white plastic hangers for my pants. And so she's like, there's no way you're going to have mismatched up. So it's, it's, that's how OCD is. So it's like, it, it has to be done a certain way. You know what I mean? And I like to make sure that anything that I'm involved with, anyone that I'm involved with is, is done with perfection, you know, as, as much as we have control. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I tend, I tend along the way, even when I was meeting with these other individuals to try to take over, I was trying to control the end result. And that would, made it even more frustrating. So that was another confirmation for me that it, it, it's time for you to, to shut it down and move on because it's not meant for you. If, if it was meant, then I would have found somebody a long time ago. It just would have just naturally flowed and it just would have been, it just would have happened. You would have done some work to get it there, but if it doesn't naturally flow and you're constantly trying to force a round peg into a square hole, then, then, then you need to really sit down and evaluate, reevaluate, okay, what it is that God is trying to, yeah. trying to do in your life at that point in time. So. Yep. I had a mentor back in Tennessee and he said, you have to know when God's grace is off. Yeah. You have to know like, yeah. when that, when that grace lifts off is it. Yeah. Cause you're going to be trying to do it you yeah. know, out of your flesh. And it's like, Oh man, where is it at? It's just yeah. like, like when I had quit football, it's like, like the grace was off. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have no desire. Like God just, he's just sovereign like that. Mm-hmm. He's just divine and, and he can, he can control your heart, your mind, your spirit. <laughs> like he's just powerful like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to. Yeah. When when it comes to transitions, mm-hmm. I think that's also something that happens in mentor relationships. Mm-hmm. So similar to your organization, there a lot of mentor relationships will terminate. Whether a kid moves away, right? Uh, I mean, even this this last week, we had a mom call us and tell us that she's getting back together with her ex husband, 
and wants to pull her her kids mm. from our program. Yeah. And that means their mentors yeah. who have built relationship are now yeah. like the relationship's over. And it and it wasn't something that they expected or saw coming, but for those mentors, now they're in a spot where they have to reflect and mm. remember and believe that it was worth it. Mm. Like that everything that happened in the past, like was like their investment was worthwhile. Right. And that what God has for them next is right. worthwhile. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I had that a lot. A lot. And and um there were there were when because the majority of the boys that was in the program, their fathers were not in lot in their lives. And then those who did see their father from time to time, they would share all the things that we would do. And the dads would get jealous and get, you know, like it, it would hit home for them. Like, okay, they got this stranger spending more time with my kid and exposing them to stuff that more stuff than I ever have. So they end up snatching their kid out of the program. When I say snatch, you know, it's an aggressive word. Literally it's like the mother reached out. The son is no longer going to be involved. Not because of the mom's doing, because it's just causing such a rift in the family. Most of those cases is where the, the, the kid ended up going to live with the dad. So that, I mean, you, that's a win-win. It's, yeah, it's great. You can take it as being negative, you know, if you're if you're allowed to be about you, but it's not about you. It's about mm-hmm. that kid. And I think four or five of those boys, they're, they lived they live with their daddy and developed great relationships. They're in college now. Some of them reach out to me from time to time. So to those, those mentors that's, that's, that's dealing with, that's dealing with something like that. I mean, it's, it's, there's always, it's, it's, it's like when you take yourself out of the equation, then you're no answer. You're not even part of the answer. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? When there's an equation involved about life, about this relationship, I think the problem comes when we're trying to make, make ourselves a part of the answer, mm-hmm. part of the solution. But when we remove ourselves from the equation completely and God is the answer, and it's about this kid being plugged back into a, relation, a healthy relationship, then once you remove yourself completely, man, it's the best feeling in the world. Then you take, you take it off of you so it doesn't, it's not about you. So you, your feelings shouldn't be hurt. You shouldn't feel any kind of way other than great, you know, God using me because God may have used me or this organization to be, to, to, to basically communicate to these fathers that, Hey, uh, you can be doing a better job. Yeah. Can you imagine had I, God not have chose me to use this organization for the platform and these particular kids got involved, how that relationship may or may not have turned out. That's, you have to, that's how you have to think about it. Yeah. You got to think about it like that. And, so I, 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 my thing is with, with, with anybody who may be feeling that way is that you got you to gotta remove yourself from the equation because you're not, you're not the solution. You're not the answer at all whatsoever. And it, if, if it's a hard pill to swallow, then you may be in it for the wrong reason. That's the reality. Of it. You may be in it for the wrong reason or you're looking for something to, for healing for yourself. There may be something that you're dealing with. But if you're struggling with, with that, then you may need to back away and uh, kind of ask God to kind of reveal some things in you before you step back into a relationship like that, because a kid can see that if, if they're feeling animosity or they're feeling some tension because they're no longer in, you know, this relationship, they can, kids, they're very intuitive. They can, they can read you and feel you mm-hmm. that you're, you're upset, but not for the right reason. You're not just upset because, Oh, we're going to lose a relationship. No, I'm upset because, you know, I'm not, I'm not pouring into you. You know, I don't get to do what I want to do now. Yeah. I'm not going to be in the position that I was. Yeah. I'm not going to be in a position I was. Yeah. And- so, I think it's okay to grieve that, but it's, yeah. but it's also, it is a, it helps you recognize just the, the place in you that probably desired to, I don't know, the thought of being a mentor sounds like yeah. you're the, 
you're the Gandalf yeah. hanging out with the the fellowship. Right. Like, I don't know a better example of that. I no, just, I went with no. Lord of the Rings for some reason. Yeah, no, that's that's fine because literally that's what it is. I mean, people look at it. A lot of people look at it as in they feel a sense of pride and joy being able to just tell somebody that I'm a mentor or I run a nonprofit helping kids or I I'm doing this. And again, I don't I don't there's publicize a pitfall it. there. Yeah, there's, there there it is. I mean, I I don't public I never publicized it. People knew by Googling they find out or whatever, but it's you just have to take yourself out of the equation. And it's 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 never about me. It's always about these kids. Cause I, I know, and again, you don't have to go through what I've gone through to understand that it is about these kids because they, they don't have, they don't have a voice. They don't have a platform. A, a lot of the rap music that's out, that's their platform, poetry, that's their art, dancing, that's their art, music, that's their art, whether they're playing an instrument or something like that. Some of them, their outlet is gangs and some of them is, is selling drugs. If they're good at it. You know, some of my big brothers, not a biological, some of my big brothers were head of gangs and head of drug, you know, these are drug lords. And these guys were, these were my brothers and still to this day, unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, but fortunately these are still, you know, I'm real cool with them. And they, they taught me the streets, but just enough to where I wouldn't get too involved where I can get in some serious trouble. But they, they taught me the game. They taught me the streets and uh, they protected me, you know, literally. So I, I would take that and I try to apply that to life, you know, so it's, it's, we have to understand that when my time is up, my time is up, it's time to go to the next thing time to go to the next thing that is not about me and that's what my brothers always made it they, they said it's never about me they wouldn't let me get too involved because they said we want you to go to college because they knew it wasn't about them and about their agenda it was about me getting out of the environment that i was in and knew recognizing that i had potential and understanding that there's a line that, had, that could not be crossed because mm -hmm. you're going to go do good things and they saw that and you know look at god you know and and, and i'm able to talk with them and we're able to sit and joke about the stuff that we've done and and just reflect, you know, on some of the not so good things that we've done mm -hmm. and be able to see that, see that transformation. So and just thank God for it. Yeah. So good, Lawrence. Darius, do you have any questions about high school stuff <clears throat> to kind of finish our time? I know um, it might be interesting to hear just mm -hmm. from Lawrence's experience. I'm an open book. I'm an oh, open book. Bring it. Yeah. Just, just so grateful for your story and just you being here today. Just thanks again. No problem. Um, this is very refreshing, encouraging, and life-giving. Uh, with your story, could you just tell us a, a story of a kid who, you know, like you kind of saw yourself in and you were able to, you know, pour into them? How was that process and where they are at now? And, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a – I have a few, but one just stands out. I won't, you know, at a confidentiality. Um, I won't mention his name, but he knows who I am, who I'm talking about. But there's a young man, gives me goosebumps to this day. This kid did it right. He was one of the five boys I started the program with back in 2006. And uh, even though his father was involved in his life, his father would actually be, be the one sometimes to drop him off at the monthly sessions. And, and this young man, you know, even though his father wasn't in his life, he has a sister. And so he was growing up trying to do the right thing. His mom got involved in the program and, he was just involved. He was just involved all these years. And growing up, things became more challenging because he started to get to that era where he was trying to go to school and trying to go to college. And he tried to do something with his life. And he was, I, I think he was reacting or acting out, not in a real bad way, but acting out in a way that where he wanted more time with his, with his father. And so he just leaned on me and just, you know, I made myself available from time to time. We'll talk. Literally, it was very rare, but sometimes we'll talk. 
Um, but most of the time, most of the experience would be at those monthly sessions. Um, as you got into college, graduated from college, mind you, all this time he's saving himself for marriage. Literally, he's practicing abstinence. Um, he meets a young lady. They both decide as they're dating, they're practicing abstinence. And I'm just blown like, man, that was the farthest thing from my mind when I was his age. But he's like, he wants to save himself for marriage. She wanted to save herself for marriage. So they turned around, um, come to find. So me and him was meeting probably once every other quarter, grab a bite to eat. How's everything going? I was, I told him he was responsible for asking me two questions before we leave for that day, before we part. It has to be two questions, come over something. And we'll just kind of talk through some of that stuff. And during one of our meetings, he mentioned that, you know, you're more of a father to me than my, than my biological father, which was kind of floored me. Like, wow, that's huge. And I uh, ended up being um, invited to be in his wedding. Uh, I was in his wedding. They, um, they had a, have a kid now and he's graduated from college. He's going to school to be an EMT fireman. So it's like this guy, they're, they're married, got a little kid, got a house, going through EMT fire school. I mean, firefighter school. I mean, come on now. I mean, this is like the, nobody's perfect, but this is like the model uh -huh. son that you would want. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, why wouldn't you want to be in this kid's life? Why wouldn't you want to be in this kid's life? You know what I mean? Blows my mind. Like there's nothing you can separate me from me and my kids. And to know that you have a kid at, on his own by leadership of his mom and Christ being like, he's a Christian. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to stick to. I don't have the best role model to do that. But this is, this is the life I'm going to choose to live. And he lived it, still living it out to this day. And I'll reach out to him from time to time, let him know that I'm there. If he needs anything, um, I know they're a small, young family. So I try to, you know, help out and just kind of, you know, let him know that, hey, you got support, that you're not doing this by yourself. So if I could, if I could highlight anybody, it would be this guy. And he just, it just, it, it, it blows my mind to know that, okay, it can be done. It can mm -hmm. be done. Uh, I, I didn't see it growing up. But to have a kid that has little support, just do that and stick to it. And you see the outcome from all of that. You know, it, it speaks volume. Beautiful. I love it. It's powerful, man. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that story can translate into every mentor as he looks into the, his mm -hmm. kid that he's mentoring. It's just like, what a privilege to be a mentor. What a privilege to be in that seat. Yeah. That may not be a communicated thing like that of, right. of him saying like you're a better dad to me right. father figure than i've ever had like right i i feel like our mentors really need to hear that yeah and i don't i don't know if i mean a fourth grader is going to be able to explain or articulate that <laughs> yeah but for every mentor to understand that that's that's what they they're doing right and that's really powerful man yeah, this is the, the mentors you have to understand, volunteers you have to understand that this is a thankless job, plain and simple. And again, if you're in it to be thanked, then you're in it for the wrong reason and you need to ask God to redirect your steps. You need to go to a gala somewhere <laughs> and write a big check for somebody if you, you want to thank you. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, because <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, literally, I mean, if you, look in, if you look at it, all the things that you do, all the planning that goes into these monthly sessions, I mean, Every month we had breakfast catered in. We had to go buy it or someone volunteered. We had to coordinate that. A discussions topic, it, it was always someone coming out or we tend to do it from time to time, but it was an engaging session. Get them to ask questions and open up. 
And then after every session, we had an activity. Every month was something different. Archery, we've flown on airplanes before. We've done horseback riding, painting, paint, uh, paintball, go-kart, extreme go-kart. So we tried to come up with things that they may have never done and probably never will do. So a lot goes into a monthly session. So if we were looking for after every session, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Did you, did you show appreciation? I mean, then you're in it to get, you're, 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 you're in it for that. You're in mm -hmm. it for someone to pat you on back. Great job, Lawrence. You did an awesome job and you're just, you're just awesome. You're just, you just, you just, the world just loves you. I, I, I don't need all of that. You know, I, I just want to see, I just want to see that the kids are, their eyes are lighting up, their mm -hmm. behavior is improving. The parents are less stressed. And some of the kids, literally, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but it was some of the kids literally would lose sleep the night before the session. And we, would, I, we didn't find out until after the fact. I was like, why, why are you not sleeping? Why couldn't you sleep? Because I couldn't wait to come to the monthly session. Right. And, you know, when he said, when these kids would say that, I'm like, really? I said, you literally did not go to sleep. He said, I, was just, I just didn't know what to expect. Sometimes we wouldn't tell them what activity is going to be. We just blow their mind when they get there. And like, oh, we're going to, like, the go-karts would go 70 miles an hour, you know archery like literally teaching them professional archery and you know camping and 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 fishing and flying you know just doing all these different types of things and so these kids would say that you know i was just so excited i couldn't wait to get to the session i mean it's huge you know so again it's, it's not to me it's not to my team but it's it's like what i think what stood out most is that fact that this kid's eyes lit up and it gave him a look gave him a little something all i had growing up was stealing cars and vandalizing homes and that was being built. That was my activity, hanging out with the knuckleheads out there in the streets. I didn't have the program like that to just go and be a part of something completely outside of my environment. So for kids to see that there is, and that's why we tailored it the way, the way we did, is we wanted to give them something completely different, expose them to something they may, may never see again, mm -hmm. to hope open their eyes and see that there's, there's, there's something else you can be doing with your time other than out there breaking into cars or getting involved in gangs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Something we've been talking about as a staff is just how really everything we're doing in mentoring is God's plan. Yep. It's his heart. It's his will. And we're getting to participate. We're receiving this as a gift yeah. to be a part of. And, and, and just the thought of like, every time I hear a kid say, thank you, it blows me away. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, wow, like, yes, like that, that's encouraging, right. but it's representative of how much I don't see how much God loves what we do. Mm -hmm. And like, can I hear the father who sees in secret, mm -hmm. just like cheering mentors on yeah, and loving what's happening in the relationships. Every uncelebrated thing is like, there's a party going on in heaven right. for, like that if only we knew mm -hmm. like we would be encouraged and we would right. keep going and we would persevere yeah. and like every obstacle we would overcome because we know like we have heaven's backing. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that that's, that's something mentors need to hear. Yeah. They don't need a thank you from the kid, but right. they need, they need to hear that heaven's backing you yeah. as, as you do what you're doing. Yeah. So, and, and that's what I, I mean, just hear from, from you just with, within all, all that you do and that's so good man
go a ton of different directions. Lawrence, <laughs> we're going to have to have you back on here, share more stories, but thank yeah. you so much for investing in our mentors. How could they connect with you in this next season if they want to get a hold of you after listening to this? Yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Lawrence Marshall, Facebook, of course, Instagram. Uh, Instagram is Integrity Mentor. Kind of cute stuff. I try to tell her, communicate to everybody, and says, "Hey, yes, we're we're dissolving Integrity Mentors, not because of failure, but it's a transition. That this, we, you know, some things have to stop, you know, for other things to begin. And I had to understand. It took a long time for me to understand that. So uh, I let everybody know, hey, I'm still reachable through all the social media outlets, and uh, you know, reach out if there's anything that's going on that you feel that I might be able to add value and, and, and help out in some kind of way. If it's involved kids, you know, I'm there." You know, I don't ask for anything in return. I just, you know, all I care about is I want I want to get my story out there. I want to share that, again, it's not about me, but, hey, this is what I was doing, but this is what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And, and from the result of having a mentor in my life, had I just it closed with this, just had God not have put that mentor in my life, man, I can't, I can't say I'll be dead or in jail. I don't know what I would be doing, but I know it wouldn't be something constructive, positive. It would be... It just, it just, there was a lot of things I was involved with then that I would not be able to turn back from. That makes sense. So I just, I just thank, thank God for that. Snitching on God again. I'll take it. Come on. Take it. So good. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, Share it with somebody if you you felt encouraged by anything you heard and uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. So thank you for listening. And if there's one thing you picked up, from today's episode. Let it be this. You can mentor.